The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Central City Citizen, the unofficial The Flash podcast, a poppychularadio.com original series. Poppy Chula Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Wednesday, October 23rd, 2019, and I'm your host, Professor X. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the CW series, The Flash. Please welcome my co-hosts, Millie Wood. Hello, Central City. Dimitri Wajasinger. What's good, Central City? And Jeffrey Aruz. Welcome back, Central City. Let's jump into our recap of Season 6, Episode 3, which was titled Dead Man Running, and aired on October 22, 2019. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. We find out Rosso accidentally turned gunrunner Mitch Romero into a zombie, but this zombie needs dark matter, not brains. Romero attacks and kills his own crew in search of dark matter to strengthen himself. Barry and Frost investigate. Barry brings Frost along because she's having a hard time coming to terms with the pending crisis. Frost realizes the weapons have been drained of dark matter, and using Caitlin's memories, she immediately suspects and tracks down Rosso, and Barry convinces him. Rosso tries to steal dark matter while at Star Labs, but Barry persuades him not to. Barry and Rosso share something of a bond, as they're both living on borrowed time. Romero gets inside Star Labs, where Rosso realizes he can somehow control the zombie. Barry and Frost overdose Romero on dark matter and destroy him in a really gross way. Meanwhile, Cisco and Iris investigate a Harrison Wells sighting and briefly encounter Harrison Nash Wells, an adventurer who's come to Earth-1 in search of a substance called Eternium. Also, meanwhile, we meet Ralph's mom, who's been accused of robbing a pawn shop. Ralph and Cecile try to get her an alibi, and hijinks ensue, but it leads to Ralph realizing his mother had been lying to him about her ex-boyfriends for years. Ultimately, Barry and Iris come clean with Team Flash about Barry's fate in the crisis to come, while Rosso discovers he can manipulate the substance Romero produced and use it in his cure, but he quickly develops a desire for more of it. Let's check in on the ratings for Season 6, Episode 3. The episode was viewed by 1.4 million total viewers, up slightly from last week, and had a 0.5 say steady in the demo. What was everyone's initial reaction to the episode? Jeff, let's start with you. Okay, for the most part, I liked it. I I thought some of the storylines were a little stronger than some of the other ones. Uh, I I will say that the Ralph storyline, I liked where it ended. I didn't necessarily enjoy the journey that it that we took to get there. Uh, I like that... It was a stretch. Oh, it, it, that's I, nice. I'll go now. Um, you're the stand-up comedian, right? But, um... I, I, no! I, oh. But uh, everything else was a little bit more interesting. I, I like that uh, Barry told the truth, so that was certainly a, a great thing, uh, in particular because the crisis is looming. And uh, I thought it was hella dope that the zombie's name is Romero. Like, you know, I, I thought it was a nice little uh, hat tip to uh, Night of the Living Dead. Uh, I thought that was uh, brilliant. And Millie, what's your initial reaction? I love the pairings that we got for all the storylines this week. Um, 
I like Cecile and Ralph, and I kind of enjoy the the jokes on the height difference as someone that is on the shorter side. I thought that was fun. Um, uh, the one pairing that I think that we need more of, and surprised me haven't, is the Iris Cisco. I love how they kind of went on their own journey to find the new Harrison Wells. I think that was fun. I would love to get to see them more. And I love the, the development we're getting with Ramsey. Uh, I think he's uh interesting character. I didn't really expect it to come, but making realizing that him and Barry on similar kind of trajectory in their journey, how are they going to face death? So I kind of like the setup they have on that. It's going to make a very compelling villain um, forever. How long we have him. And Dimitri, what is your initial reaction? Uh, I was not a huge fan of this episode. I would say, I'd say the highlight is, is Ramsey's storyline because I think um, we've had, sort of uh, a run now of predictable villains with sort of drawn-out storylines. And Ramsey, I was like, oh, no, he's going to be sort of sending characters like Romero every episode for a few weeks, and they're going to be like, gee, I wonder who's sending us all these Dark Matter zombies, and it's just going to be like this super drawn-out thing. Whereas, like, Killer Frost, you know, gets to him right away, then he's like sort of this half ally, half antagonist. He's clearly, you know, headed the antagonist route, but um, uh, it, it's still, you know, you, you're not sure exactly which way he's going to go, which is refreshing because I don't, uh, I think not since like uh, Zoom have we seen a villain where we're like, I, I don't really know what this guy's end game is. Um, I don't really know, you know, how this is going to play out. And it's, it's a, it's a refreshing change. Uh, a lot of the other storylines felt like, uh, felt like sort of, uh, 99 cent knockoffs of cliche storylines. Like I I wasn't feeling the Ralph storyline. Uh, it did something to humanize the character. Uh, but I'm with you, Jeff. I, I didn't really need that journey. And it seemed like sort of a, almost a trope. Um, and the same with, uh, with the new Wells. I'm sure we'll get into him later. Uh, we will, but before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of The Flash, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement.
PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Barry and Iris tell the team about the changing date for Crisis, but they leave out the kind of important fact that Barry has to die. Um, Jeff mentioned this uh, when he was talking about it. So, Millie, I'll ask you, did it surprise you at all that uh, they didn't tell the team at the beginning? And what did you think about the decision? Oh, definitely not surprised. I feel like it's in Barry's nature to sometimes withhold information from the team. Um, I'm glad they finally did tell him. Just kind of going throughout it, I think that it's, you know, he's going two different routes and paralleling to era, of course, Oliver Queen's going through the same thing, kind of hitting it head on, where I feel like pushing it off for Barry, it's, you know, just prolonging the inevitable. So I think it's best that they're getting it out now so we don't have to, like, keep on waiting um, in the lead-up to crisis and having him hold the secret in. Um, so I'm glad they finally had it. I wish they would have done it at the beginning of the episode, but um, he got there eventually. Uh, after uh, Barry and, and Iris do tell the uh, the team as much as they tell them at the beginning, uh, Frost takes it badly, and Barry realizes uh, she needs some uh, some time, uh, so she ends up helping him as his, quote, meta-advisor as he goes off to uh, investigate the zombie attack, so that's a little quality time for Barry and Frost. Uh, Frost got a lot of screen time this episode. Um, Dimitri, what did you think about how she was used and just about Frost in general? We've made the point that, you know, we've known Caitlin for, you know, uh, you know, uh, almost, well, for four seasons. Uh, Killer Frost has just sort of been there occasionally. Um, they're sort of giving her her own life, her own agency. Uh, how do you feel about the character as we're getting to know her a little better? Uh, well, I'd say, um, when she was first introduced, she started out mediocre, um, and, uh, she's <laughs> stayed consistently that way ever since. And this episode was no exception. The, uh, the sort of creme de la absurdity was the fact that Barry, you know, needs to train the team for his departure, uh, as he's putting it, because he hasn't told them that he's going to die yet. Um, and he picks the person who, you know, he hasn't known that long. And of the time he's known her has spent a fair amount of that time trying to kill him, trafficking metas, like, you know, n- not your, not your strongest shot. And, you know, Cisco's right there. Caitlin, you know, the the non-crazy version of Killer Frost is right there. Um, you know, even sort of spending some time with Iris to make sure, you know, she can, you know, prep the team. Talking to his adoptive father about the fact that he will probably die. Like, these were all better decisions than the one he made. And I know he wouldn't be Barry Allen if he didn't regularly make colossally stupid decisions. But... Uh, I think the fact that so much time was spent on this one, it's not a character I particularly care for. It did really hurt the episode for me. 
Jeff, um, just playing off of uh, uh, what Dimitri was saying, Frost is clearly not Caitlin, and they are sort of trying to establish her as a different character, you know, presumably to shake things up, uh, freshen it. Uh, and we see, you know, the, the Frost approach versus the Caitlin approach when she, you know, uh, as soon as she figures out that Ramsey's involved, she threatens him with an ice dagger, and then she blasts Romero out of a window, which would have killed him if he wasn't already dead. Uh, so what do you think about the, uh, the violent side of Frost that we're seeing? Well, first up, I disagree with everything Dimitri said. And no surprise there, he's been a Killer Frost hater f- for a while. Uh, although, you did give her a compliment. Maybe the, the taste of complimenting Killer Frost, uh, you know, was, was so horrible in your mouth that you had to insult her afterwards. But you did compliment her in your initial reaction when you said that she figured out uh, Ramsey so fast. So, um, I, I will say, I did notice you complimented Killer Frost. But, um, I it thought... It was a fact... Okay. I thought everything Killer Frost was really interesting in the episode. I thought her arc uh, was appropriate based off on the fact that we, as you said, Professor, we didn't really see Killer Frost as often as, as we've seen Caitlyn. So Killer Frost, although she is part of Caitlyn and we are cognizant of the fact that she um, has uh, seen Caitlyn's experiences, she's really a... Um, She's like an infant, in a sense. You know, she doesn't necessarily know the right social norms. We saw that in a previous episode. She's learning how to be human, in a sense. And so, the way that she was reacting throughout the entire episode, I thought, was appropriate for a character that maybe doesn't necessarily know how to properly convey their emotions. And we got a taste of that in the previous episode, so I thought this was a good continuation of that. Uh, I do feel like she did make a couple mistakes. I mean, clearly... um, She's got anger issues, and she needs to figure out a proper way to, uh, um, you know, convey that she's angry without necessarily murdering people. I mean, her name was Killer Frost. I know they're going with the Frosty route now. Um, Wendy's, uh, are you going to be giving them a lawsuit <laughs> or something? But uh, Technically, it's just Frost. It's not Frosty. Okay, well, they do call her Frosty at times. I'm just that, that's just like a diminutive. Oh, okay, okay, she, fine. She said last episode she's going with Frost. Okay. I like Lady Frost, though. I don't know. Yeah, sexist. Okay, fine. Uh, well, Brittany is not here, or is she? But she used to say Mistress Frost, which, I mean, <laughs> there's that. But anywho, um, so I thought everything that she was going through in the episode was uh, was appropriate for the character at the point in which the character is at right now. She's had limited time out in the to the world, and and now she she hasn't been necessarily in the driver's seat for as long. So uh, the little bouts of anger uh, I thought was uh, appropriate, and clearly throughout the episode she learned how to control that. Uh, Ellie, I've got to turn to you. We have a, uh, a rift on the panel between, uh, between how Frost is uh, being portrayed and her role in the show. Uh, what do you think about Frost? Or, if you will, Frosty. Lady Frost. I like Frosty, although it makes me hungry. I um, know, right? I... <laughs> like you know, chocolate Frosty. Cool. I'm going to lean more towards Jeffrey's side. I do enjoy how we're kind of rounding out the character of Killer Frost. And I also like how she is able to provide that more comedic bit because she is learning how to be a human. 
Um, I really love uh, how she said there's 31 Baskin Robbins flavors. Uh, she wants to try them all before the crisis comes. Uh, I have yet to try them, so I'll be that's a feat for her. But I enjoy that, and I think that um, I'm I'm kind of curious why they're spending so much time on her in the sense of she's the first person that they Barry's chosen to like help out and, and prep. I'm wondering if she's gonna have a big part in the crisis, and that's why they're spending the most time with her is because she's gonna have a role, and we really need to be able to connect with her before whatever happens in the crisis. Um, so I'm kind of curious that. Uh, if that's why we're getting so much screen time with her. And I also do miss Caitlin a little bit sometimes, so I hope she might make appearance next episode. Uh, Ramsey comes to Star Labs ostensibly to help them uh, find a way to weaken Romero, but actually to steal more dark matter, which he does in the clumsiest way possible. I mean, all Barry would have to do is look in the case and realize, hey, where are the two tubes of dark matter gone? Um, but uh, that leads to an exchange. Uh, they're both <laughs> men facing a death sentence. Uh, which gives them a, an interesting sort of, you know, shared sense of focus. Uh, so, Amelie, what did you think about their uh, their pairing and uh, their, their different attitudes towards death? I like the pairing. I think that it creates some layers both to Ramsey and, and Barry, although I am on the side of Ramsey. I, the whole, since the season started, I'm kind of questioning why. I feel like Barry's just kind of like folded in already and have accepted the death and hasn't really tried to do much uh, to fight it or kind of figure out other ways around it. And I think that in, by playing him with Ramsey, it really gives him that things to think on and kind of um, see how he would approach it if he was taking Ramsey's mindset. And I really like how they're kind of pairing them together. And it kind of looked like a little bit of a... Um, I wouldn't say friendship, but maybe some kind of partnership going along with that. Um, I also thought it was a little silly for Barry to leave Ramsey unsupervised in Star Labs, but I guess it worked out in the end. Uh, anyone else have any thoughts on uh, the uh, Ramsey and Barry pairing and uh, uh, the way they sort of played off their, uh, their, their shared uh, sense of impending doom? I thought it was done brilliantly. I mean, it made the most sense, and, and I'm glad that they went that route. And I'm glad that they went that route early on in the season because remember crisis is coming so uh if um ramsey is not going to be a threat post crisis they really do need to sort of zip through this storyline faster than usual and uh I, I thought all of the suspicions that uh frost had throughout the episode was appropriate because i it gave me the feeling like okay they're going to move the storyline quite along like sooner rather than later and uh i thought the dynamic between ramsey and barry was really good uh, i like how ramsey sort of saw his mother in barry which i thought that was really interesting i thought they played off of each other really well and um yeah uh, like ramsey clearly is not a master thief yeah, no, he is a doctor, apparently well-respected and prestigious and all that kind of stuff, but uh, a master thief he is not. So uh, I love that Barry, even though initially he seemed to want to trust Ramsey, like that little thing that um, that uh, Grant Gustin did as he walked out the room, leaving Ramsey with like all those vials of dark matter like he just like turned a little bit and I was like okay he's not trusting him and then when he came back I was like thank you 
like I was like that was that was a good um, little character note, character beat from both the writers and from Grant, and uh, I am glad that they're moving the storyline right along. I don't know what they're gonna do with this character so much like Dimitri. I will co-sign with. I am excited about not knowing because uh, I yeah I don't know what it is that they're going to do. Like the storyline took a very interesting turn. I don't know if what they're doing on the series is exactly what they did in the comics with blood work but all of it was kind of intriguing because it's something different than what we've seen in the past Dimitri I thought I heard you breathing in if you were about to launch into uh, a spirited attack yeah well not an attack I was going to say it's really refreshing to see sort of a villain built in real time because I feel like almost all the other big bads we've seen, we get like several episodes of them being bad. And then halfway to three quarters towards the end of the season, we get like little snapshots of how they snapshots, snapshots of how they um s- sort of became a supervillain. And I feel like we're sort of watching uh, this guy's trajectory as the season's unfolding, like he's literally becoming a supervillain in front of our eyes. And I, I think that's, you know, an interesting departure. Uh, I really like, I'm glad that uh, they've sort of broken that pattern because he's a lot less predictable. And I think that's very refreshing on this show. Uh, we and Cecile get to meet Ralph's mom. So uh, I'll just open this one up to the floor, uh, bracing myself for what I'm sure will be a, a, a round of scorn from certain uh, corners. But what do we think about Debbie? Uh, apparently uh, we don't think anything about Debbie. I was trying not to. Should I start the scorn? You might as well. Then yeah, things can uh, only go up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the same beef I have with Killer Frost. It, it feels like a 99-cent knockoff of, like, an old, like, like film noir crime movie trope. Like, uh, the way she talked, like, everything... It just it just seemed like really overdone, and then the uh, the like oh you were lying to me about your ex boyfriends like they didn't really leave like what like that was also like a, a pretty overdone um, overdone plot you you've seen that on Burn Notice you've I was trying to think of other examples because it's a very recognizable trope but they're escaping me right now but yeah I wasn't a fan of this storyline but I will say that it sort of uh, showed like uh, a little bit of vulnerability in um in Ralph which I think he's been largely sort of comic relief um so you know maybe added to his character a little bit there but overall was not a fan I will say I like Amy Peets and I feel like she did a fine job with what she was given as I said, though, in my initial reaction, like, the road to get to where we went was just a little too bumpy for me, and it was a little too clunky. Like, I liked where we got to, though, like, because it showed us 
that Ralph has changed. He's evolved. It also allowed him to open up a little bit more about, um, you know, maybe some of his fears in regards to love and relationships. And that was really interesting. Like, I would say the final scene with him and his mom was really, like, the highlight of that storyline for me. But it was, like, everything else. Like, it was just, you could tell she was hiding something and um you know and 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 that sort of thing and you could kind of maybe not fully guess where we were going but certainly she was hiding something and that was like the crux of the storyline and it just wasn't really all that interesting like going into like the um, you know the what would you call it the underground casino and that sort of thing i was like I don't know if we necessarily need to be reminded that Ralph was sort of a part of that world, but um, the final sequence was nice. And unfortunately, Cecile uh, was sort of roped into that mess. They did have that little moment that I liked. What do they call her, Miss Perfect Hemline? Uh, like, and she was like, "Thank you." Like that was a good little moment for Cecile. But other than that, I really felt bad for Cecile. Um. So we, we did end up spending, you know, a fair chunk of time on the uh, the Ralph storyline, you know, Ralph and his mom and uh, finding out that his mom uh, had been lying to him about her boyfriends. It, it did strike me that if Ralph was any sort of detective, he would have started to wonder why everyone who dated his mom apparently just died, um, you know, but. What is she, Caitlin? Um, so it was sort of played as this big character-defining uh, reveal. Uh, but, Ellie, what did you think about it? Did you think they, they spent too much time on it? Did you like the reveal? Did you, you know, think it was just basically to, to show us Ralph's character growth? Because, you know, Ralph was, you know, a pretty reprehensible character a couple of seasons ago. And, you know, we, we do seem to be setting him up for, uh, you know, meeting the love of his life in the form of Sue. Uh, and, uh, you know, is, is all this, you know, just, uh, window dressing to get us ready for that? Definitely window dressing. It makes sense. Cause we don't see a lot of kind of the emotional side of Ralph. Um, but I do feel like they could have probably taken this storyline and condensed it into half the time that they used, um, as Jefferman going on to the casino, it kind of lost me in that sense as well. So I think that we could have conveyed the same way, uh, the same idea in a way last time or a different way. I did enjoy Debbie and the actress that played her. I thought that was fun. And I, the one thing I did do, I think is brought some kind of um, light and levity, some brightness to kind of the dark storyline going on with, you know, Barry and Dr. Russo talking about death and everything. So it kind of provides that comedic bit as well. But I mean, I think we can spend maybe more time on Iris and Cisco instead of kind of this dragged out, okay, we get where we're going with this plot line kind of story. Romero breaks into Star Labs because, let's face it, their security remains terrible. A zombie made it in, for heaven's sakes. Uh, at first, it looks like he's there to kill Ramsey, but then we get an interesting scene of Ramsey learning he can control the zombie. Uh, you know, we, you know, a, a phrase we've used sometimes is the show don't tell. So this was, you know, showing us as the supervillain is sort of realizing his power and what he can do. Uh, you know, uh, we're we're seeing him, you know, in the first flowering of this ability and and him working it out uh jeff what did you think about how that scene played out first off i was like damn it barry you're fucking shit up like i wanted more information <laughs> but uh, he comes in and interrupts the whole shindig uh i thought that was hella intriguing like i was just captivated by the moment because i was like damn like 
he he didn't even realize that he was kind of maybe mind controlling the guy in a sense um like it, he was he had a frankenstein for lack of a better word um so it was frankenstein it was uh you know night of the living dead it was like every sort of horror trope ever and it all worked um i don't know is is blood work sort of um like the way that they've interpreted him in the comics it, does it take sort of like the horror type of route does anyone know? Uh, I'm not really familiar with uh, with that villain from the comics. Okay, uh, it was in a, uh, a period when I wasn't reading Flash. So. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. It, whether it's something from the comics or something that they're doing specifically, as far as just how he became um, this villain, it, they're doing it specifically for the show. It's really interesting. I love how um, how the actor that plays Ramsey like played with it. Um, it was just. Like, I, I have no idea how I would react if I would realize that I sort of have uh, a, um, a, a willing subject that uh, can mimic me and can do whatever I wanted them to do. Uh, you know, do my bidding and be out and be my minion, be sort of my, um, what's his name? The, um, like, Igor and that kind of thing. Uh, it, it was fascinating. Like, I, once again, have no idea where their storyline is going. But it's hella, hella intriguing. Uh, okay, so um, so after Romero comes in and after Ramsey realizes he can control him, uh, uh, Barry uh, lures the zombie away and Frost overdoses him uh, and he blows up real good uh, with a little SCTV reference there. It's kind of a gross way to go, but I would point out that he was already technically dead, so it's not like Frost and Barry actually killed him. Uh, so, uh, Dimitri, what did you think about the end of Romero? I was going to say, did you watch my Twitter? Because um, I was really shocked. There was this um, sort of this whole idea that, you know, um, we don't kill. That's reinforced with Killer Frost when she blasts him out of a window. And, like, um, Ramsey sort of hints that there may be a way to reverse his condition. Um, but then they're all like, eh, it's fine. We'll explode him and just, you know go right into it which i assume uh nullifies uh whatever approach ramsey was gonna take because he was kind of dynamically redistributed the i i don't know it seemed it seemed very odd for this team and especially it, it's not even like you lost over maybe their slight shift in morals like literally 10 15 minutes before barry was like we don't kill we don't kill He's already dead, though. Come on. But, uh, but I mean, that... Are uh, we supposed to save the undead as well? I mean, given that it was mentioned as a possibility, uh, it seems odd. If people were like, no, he's dead, that's just the dark matter, like, reanimating his body, then you could be like, all right, let's explode him. But they they sort of leave that ambiguous and then there is that line where Ramsey's like maybe i can help like reverse his condition and then they're like nah explode him and so it, it seemed very weird for this show like oliver queen sure but like barry's generally you know better i will say it was hella gross like it was grody it was disgusting my whole line of thinking is so you kaboom him, like, right in front of you, and, like, what if some of that, like, gets on you, like, gets in your orifices and that sort of thing, and then all of a sudden you become the undead? Like, did you all not think of that, like, at all? I, 
I did not, but fun fact. Well, no, I was I... saying that rhetorically to them. Because um, I'm like, oh. hello, like, I, I would be scared that I would get infected by something. Like, it's just, and it was and, hella and gross. And that is where Ramsey's, like, that sample that he then has towards the end, that is where that came from, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, fun fact, I, um, while I was live tweeting, I think one of the people from the show was, like, tweeting with um, Danielle Panabaker, and it said it was blueberry jam that they used to, like, throw at the cast when the guy exploded. So that's what they were covered with. Oh, then that sounds delicious. I don't think blueberry jam would stain badly. I don't work on the show. That's what he said. You don't? Well, why do we have I, you on this podcast then? My off his microphone. I know. Oh, and wait, and you said your live tweeting is fun? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think so. Oh, okay. Do other people think that? I mean, hopefully. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. This is just the, this is the awkward existential section of the podcast. I know, right? Uh, anyway, uh, Ramsey goes back to his lab with a sampling of uh, the Romero goo, or if you will, blueberry jam, uh, which he thinks is a cure, leading to him to uh, absorb the goo uh, and immediately wanting more. We've been getting a slow build to Ramsey as a big bad. We're, you know, uh, the end of the three episodes, he hasn't really been the villain yet he did kill a guy accidentally uh but he hasn't fold on uh the big bad route so uh millie how do you feel about how they've introduced him uh as the big bad uh showing his development and uh uh how he's developing his powers uh even as he's uh, developing as a threat i like this route it allows us to grow attached to dr ramsey i think it makes us care more so when he does finally become fully evil um we might care a little more than some past villains about uh, what they're doing, kind of really wanting to cheer for them. Um, And it's also this mysterious bit because we don't really flat out know what he's going to become. How is he going to manipulate this blood that he can? And so it keeps us guessing and we don't really have to, or we can't really, you know, see where it's going. That's fun. Um, It's different than the flash has been in the recent season. So I'm enjoying it. Plus um, he's always fun to look at on screen. Uh, he is a handsome guy, as I've said. The a uh, plus one to that, a a swarthy David Tennant. Um, so, anyone else have any thoughts on uh, uh, our big bad? How they've introduced him, or where you think we go from here? Oh, he's really good. The actor is fantastic. I don't know <laughs> where we're going from here, and, and it makes him fascinating as a villain. And I wonder, can they redeem him? Like. Can he be brought back from sort of like the brink of um, villainy? And I don't know if they're going to be able to either. And I don't know if he's going to want to. Like, he seems to be at the point to where, you know, he's hell-bent on what he's doing. And he knows that he is on borrowed time, for lack of a better word, because he's going to be dying. I thought his conversation with Barry earlier about sort of like mortality and um, and that sort of thing was was really well done. Um, I also loved how um, like Barry was at the end of it all was kind of like you know I'm sorry that we clash and 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 I hope things go well. And he was basically like still accepting, not accepting, but still wanting to fight to live. And and this whole idea of him wanting to fight to live is what's leading to his villainy is really interesting. Yeah, and th- there was a hint of, like, go fuck yourself when he was like, see you in the next life. It's like, 
you can die if you want to. I'm not gonna like uh, it, it was sort of a like they parted kind of allies, but it was like a, definitely an ominous last tone. Uh, back at Star Labs, Barry's in full party mode, throwing Frost her first birthday party. Uh, he planned that party pretty fast, I would say. But, hey, he's the Flash. Uh, we get a few scenes of Team Flash kicking back and relaxing. Uh, but, ultimately, Barry and Iris tell the team the truth about Barry's fate. Um, uh, I'll just open this one up to the floor. A, were you surprised that they dealt with it so soon? And uh, what do you think about, uh, you know, the the brief scenes we had of, you know, Team Flash just, you know, hanging out, having a party, you know, sort of, you know, maybe the last good moment before things start to take a very dark turn? Yes. I was very surprised that they handled it so soon. But because Crisis is only weeks away, like, they needed to handle that sooner rather than later. So I'm glad that it just took them one episode to figure out that they needed to fill everyone in on uh, what was going on. Clearly, they didn't fill everyone in because I feel like we are going to be getting a hella, at least I hope we are, going to get a hella emotional scene with Joe and Cecile. So I'm actually as painful as it's going to be to watch just because I know that it's going to be so beautifully acted. Like, I I hope that we get to see that moment. Um, And uh, the party time was cool. Uh, I mean, it it did happen, like, at the spur of the moment. Um, Killer Frost has some interesting-looking friends. We saw that man, what is his name, Norlock? Nor, whatever, with the snake Snake in his eye. Yeah, snake eye. We saw him as the DJ, who knew um, that he could DJ. And uh, I hope it isn't the final sort of, like, happy moments, just because it, it was sort of done in a very quick kind of way. Like, I hope that the team has other happier moments before the doom and the gloom of the crisis. Uh, anyone else have any thoughts on uh, either the party or uh, the reveal to the team before we uh, move on to the uh, subplot? Uh, I, I feel like they broke another pattern with the reveal, because... When I saw Barry keep it to himself, I was like, it's too much time with Oliver Queen. Like, you is this going to, like, now stretch for episodes and episodes? And then five episodes later, he's going to finally tell the team he's going to die. And then people are going to be mad for another episode that he didn't tell them five episodes ago, which is a really, really tired pattern on the CW shows. So I was just hugely relieved when they uh, sort of revealed it at the end of this episode, wrapped it up quickly. And I would say that was one sort of redeeming moment for Killer Frost characters that at least she, like, puts two and two together and is like, you're going to die, aren't you? And that at least, it was was a relief to have someone sort of break that very obvious truth. Yeah, and I agree. It's refreshing when, and maybe it's just because, you know, uh, you know, crisis is coming in five weeks. We don't really have time to drag this out in the conventional uh, CW way, but it's nice that, that they're not doing that this time. Uh, Tom Cavanaugh made his return, ziplining in as sort of high-tech Indiana Jones. Uh, Ellie, what do you think of the new Nash Wells? I like him. I'm getting very Indiana Jones vibes. I'm I'm for, I'm glad we're kind of ditching the uh, more campy with the accent, don't really know what's going on kind of wells that we've gotten in the past couple of seasons. Um, and I'm, I'm super curious to see what his role is. Um, obviously, I think he has something to do with crisis. So I guess we'll see kind of where he's going on that. Um, I like how he's a little 
bit more like um, quick witted as well. And I really hope that um, since this goes not by, maybe we'll get to see that relationship develop with this Wells. I think that'll be fun and also gives Cisco something to do. I thought it was also funny, uh, you know, playing out the uh, relationship because Cisco has gone through this, you know, how many times meeting a new Harrison Wells, they get off on the wrong foot, but ultimately they become besties and just sort of just saying, look, let's just jump to the end. We're going to be best friends. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to get there. Uh, and then, of course, smoke bomb and escape. Um, uh, anyone else? No, actually, I'm not going to open up to the, uh, the floor because uh, that would just allow Dimitri to, uh, to uh, unleash his hatred of, uh, of any form of uh, Harrison Wells. Uh, one other character. Well, actually, I, I that... wanted. I liked I seasons one and two. Oh god, I do. I had something to add. I liked him as well. In the beginning, I thought I wasn't gonna like him. Uh, like I was ready to not like him just because of the little that we had seen in, uh, like little clips and photos of the episode and that sort of thing. And I was really looking at him with like a squinty eye when he appeared, but I found myself really enjoying him because he does seem like very like ridiculously different than some of the other Wellses that we have been introduced to. And not all of them are hits. Uh, sometimes they have to grow on you and, and they have to grow as a character before you end up really like, enjoying like the them. Fungus. No, some of them are better than others. Uh, but I, I did like him by the end of the episode. I found him really interesting. Uh, and, and I mean, again, sort of the uh, the show don't tell. We know that he's he's smart. He's aware of the Council of Wells, but you know, wants nothing to do with them. He's resourceful. Uh, he's looking for Eternium, which you know, in comic books, is uh, uh, shard. You know, sort of magical shards from the the Rock of Eternity, which can steal Shazam's powers. I very much doubt that that's what they're going to do with them here. Uh, but uh, it, it'll be uh, interesting to see uh, you know what role he plays, particularly. As we know, uh, you know Tom Cavanaugh is going to be playing Pariah in the crossover. So, uh, what does that mean, uh, you know, for how much of this uh, Wells we're going to get? Uh, now, one other character I wanted to mention, uh, you know, before we uh, leave this is Allegra. Uh, last week, she seemed to be introduced to your standard meta of the week, and generally speaking, with the meta of the week, as you would guess from the of the week part of that, we never see them again, or we, you know, maybe see them, you know, once after a couple of years or something like that, just to check in and see how they're doing. But she's getting a larger role. She's playing the keen journalist uh, and uh, and sort of butt head, butts heads uh, with uh, with Iris. So, what do you guys think about uh, Allegra's character? Uh, how they're using her, and what do you, do you think they're planning for more for her going forward? Ellie, let's start with you. I, like I did call Ellie. you Ellie that time. Millie, <laughs> let's start with you. My God. That's all good. They all sound the same, so I just answer anyways. Uh, I, I enjoy her character. I'm very curious to see where they're going. I think that's a lot of what the flashes of the seasons are giving us little tidbits and they haven't really i don't know what direction they're going with her i wonder if they're trying to develop her into a little mini iris and we kind of see that as iris takes her under her wing at the citizen um she didn't really use her powers her meta powers this week so i don't know if they're trying to go more on just what she can offer as a journalist as well or if that's going to help kind of grow that side of the storyline and more is she going to be kind of a character to help support Iris's growing business. But I, I like her. I don't know how I feel about adding another cast member. I feel like the, the cast is already large enough and we're juggling enough in the air. But if they use her sparingly like they did this week, I think it'll be fun to see where she develops. Uh, anyone else have any thoughts on uh, Allegra? 
I really liked her, especially since she didn't speak in Espanol this time around. Uh, I, I really liked her. That was a little diss uh, in a callback to the previous episode. But uh, I found her really refreshing. I love that uh, she's a good journalist. I, I believe even you would say that, uh, Professor. Well, you know what? You're an intern. You can't oh, okay. talk well. like that to your editor. Well, that you know, you is true. You take the editor yes. and the editor decides what to do with it. She, she, yeah, she would have been fired for that. Oh, okay. Uh, before yeah. she quit. I'm, but uh, on the other hand, Iris did, you know, lie to her. Iris could have just said, hey, leave the story with me. I'll look into it. And instead, you know, Iris just sort of, you know, fostered it away, uh, you know, uh, I guess rather than reveal the existence of the multiverse. But hey, you wait five weeks, the multiverse will be gone and problem solved. That is true. I did like Iris's speech to her afterwards. I, I thought uh, that it was a good moment for Iris. I found... Uh, Allegra to be interesting, you know, whether um, it was insubordination or not. Uh, I, I did like how they used the character in this episode, and it seems as if she's going to have a, a larger role, I would assume, at least for this first half of the season. So, so far, it seems interesting, and I, and I wonder how they're going to use this character moving forward. Uh, Dimitri, any uh, thoughts on Allegra or how they might use her? Um, I mean... My first thought when she joined the Central City Citizen was like, oh, cool. It's like nice to see Iris like has a real newspaper. She's not like, um, you know, it's not just going to be like a girl and her blog. Like she has other clapback um, news, baby. What's up? I said clapback news, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still have my suspicions. But anyway, um, so I think it, it gives Iris sort of something uh, different to do in that she actually has to manage employees and probably friends. Um, I uh, I think, you know, that, that sort of uh, takes her character into New York. And it, it's interesting to see how uh, her relationship with Allegra plays out because um, last season she had a daughter and she was sort of robbed of her daughter. Um, after a season of us being subjected to her daughter. So I wonder if, you know, some of that residual energy will sort of manifest in her relationship with Allegra. I don't know. I'm with Millie. I don't think this needs to be an every episode thing. Um, we do have a lot of characters to juggle, um, since for some reason they added Killer Frost. But, um, it, it, it could be interesting to see, you know, maybe for a couple episodes how it plays out. You know, that's a really interesting point you bring out that, you know, Iris is still grieving the loss of Nora. Um, you know, there could be an element of that uh, at play here as well. That, that is interesting. I'll, I'll be uh, watching the uh, uh, the development of their relationship to see if, uh, if there is any hint of that. I think that would be a very uh, interesting thing to play uh, if that uh, is sort of in the background uh, behind her decision. Um, so before we move on to the MVP section, was there anything else anyone wanted to bring up from the episode? Well, it wasn't really touched upon, but what do we think the Wells man is here for? Well, he says Eternium. Well, uh, I mean, and, and he, it was like, so it led him to Iris, but then it leads him to the sewer as well. I was just curious to see if any of you have uh, like any theories as to like what he's doing. I'm, I'm guessing not. No, I'm 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 taking the face value. I'm assuming he's hunting for Eternium. It it would be interesting to have uh an a slightly at least slightly antagonistic Wells. 
um, just because we've seen only like either Campy or like Thawne. Um, and sort of season two had an interesting Wells. I was kind of hoping he'd be the recurring Wells, but if they're gonna, you know, sort of switch it up every season, you know, we might be we, we're so primed for another Campy character. It'd be interesting to sort of play with our expectations and. You know, maybe he has more sinister intentions for Iris, who he detected Eternium on or whatever. Yeah, it was interesting that uh, he detected it there. So, and, and again, whether that Eternium is possibly going to play a role in Christ or something like that, you know, I don't know. Until we find out more about what this Eternium is, which is clearly something that, you know, Cisco and, uh, and Iris were unfamiliar with. Uh, but I guess we will have to wait and see. Uh, so let's move on to the MVP section. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. Millie, let's start with you. I'd say this week I have to give it to Killer Frost. I enjoy how we're kind of getting more of her character, um, getting her to see all the feelings. And I thought it was really sweet, her relationship with Barry. Last week I see her develop it with Cisco, and now we can see Barry throwing her a birthday party. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. It's fun. Um, like I said, I hope Caitlin comes back, but it's good to see Killer Frost get some more dimensions. Ooh, bad news there, Dimitri. Uh, your your favorite character has been taken off the board. Uh, so we'll turn it over to you now. Who is your MVP and why? I got to give it to, to Ramsey. I thought this was possibly the most unique interaction with the villain I've seen in the course of The Flash in that... Um, I really can't tell which way his uh, his story's gonna go. Um, I I feel like he had sympathetic moments. I feel like he had sinister moments. I he feel like he had you know a facepalm moment with uh, trying to be a thief. So um, this is this is definitely a multifaceted character, and uh, I like it's it's nice to see that th- there's nothing glaring here. Um, there's nothing like, oh, next episode he's definitely doing this. Next, you know, by the end of the season he's definitely gonna do this, etc. I like we're all sort of uh, giving our hypotheses, but they're like all in completely different directions because they're not giving anything away, and I think that's uh, that's very intriguing. Like, will they end up friends? Will they end up, you know, will one of them die? Like, well, what's gonna happen? It's it's cool. It's a nice nice break. Jeff, who is your MVP and why? Well, great choices from everyone. Uh, mine was stolen by Dimitri, uh, which uh, was incredibly nice of you, I guess. Uh, oddly enough, uh, even though I projectile vomited all over the storyline, I'm giving it to Ralph. Because he had a really great moment at the end of the episode. And for me, even though the storyline might not have been the best, as I said, where we got to the storyline at the end of it all uh, was really interesting and was really compelling. And I really felt for Ralph. And it just showed how much the character has grown since the very first episode in which he was introduced. And I really liked that. I was incredibly proud of Ralph. Ralph, I like how um, like he acknowledged his damage. I, I like that he was there for his mom, and I thought it was a really nicely written, grown-up moment for Ralph to show us how far he's come. So well, I'm going to give it to Ralph. 
Uh, I'm going to give it to uh, Ralph's mom. Uh, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of the storyline either, but uh, <laughs> you know, that wasn't a knock on uh, on her performance. Uh, you know, she brought a note of levity to it. Uh, you know, you can totally see that that yeah, that's the sort of mother that Ralph would have had. Uh, and uh, and let's face it, all my other choices have been taken off the board by now. So it's now time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 lightning bolts? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, which seems unlikely, you may archive the episode in the Flash Museum. Jeff, let's start with you. What is your rating? Okay, I am going to give this episode... I'm going to give it an eight and a half. I thought it was a fine episode. I'd say... uh, the majority of the storylines were interesting, what dragged it down just a little bit, and I won't belabor the point, you all already know, but uh, overall, I mean, it was a fine episode for what it was. I did like that we advanced the plot along a lot. I thought the Ramsey stuff was incredibly strong and very different for the villain of, um, I was about to say the villain of the season, but at least the villain of uh, this first uh, half of the season. And uh, I thought the Killer Frost stuff was really interesting as well. I liked the bit of character development that we got with her. And then, of course, filling everyone in on the truth was a, a great twist on the usual CW trope of let's keep a secret for like half the season. So I'll give it an eight and a half. Millie, how would you rate this episode? I have to give the episode an 8.2. I think it was good. Um, the storylines, as they were fun, they were, I felt, kind of dragged down a little bit. Um, but I really did enjoy the juxtaposition between Dr. Ramsey and Barry. And so that really kind of held me because there was a lot to think about um, as we approached Crisis Well. And I think it gave us really good foundation on blood work as a villain, but also kind of moved along the plot for crisis as well. So overall pretty solid episodes and 8.2 lightning bolts. I love Millie's usage of the decimal point system. Like it they, is, they've been there all along. It's yes. You guys were too lazy to use them. That it's, is uh... true. That is true. But it's just, it's always fascinating because I think everyone typically gravitates towards like the 0.5 and they don't necessarily, you know, move around the other points. So it's really interesting when people actually take advantage of the entire point system. I, I love that. I tip my hat to you, Millie. Dimitri, what is your rating? Millie's the kind of person who says things like, meet me at 1147. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know what? We have had someone else on another podcast over on the Marvel side of things. She will go, like, she'll be like, I will give it, and this is where it gets slightly ridiculous. She's like, I will give it an 8.2345 or something like that. And I'm like, really? Could you not round up? <laughs> but anyway, that's a whole I other mean, story for a different day. I was leaning towards 8.2346, but I felt it didn't really cut it there. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be the hater of the group. I'm giving this a six. Too much time on Killer Frost. She's not a believable character. I do not care that she had her first birthday or what her favorite ice cream flavor is. Knowing how interesting she is, it's probably vanilla. Um, The Ralph storyline, it felt recycled, tropey. His mom's storyline felt tropey. Blood work was, you know, sort of the highlight of the episode, but... He didn't have as much time because we spent so much time staring at Killer Frost. 
for some reason. I really wish they would give Caitlyn a storyline that isn't doomed love story. Um, I think her well, this relationship isn't a doomed with... love story. Huh? This is not a doomed love story. But it's also, quote-unquote, not Caitlyn because it's Killer Frost. Um, whereas, like, the character Caitlyn, I feel like she could do things besides fall in love or, or have her loved one betray her. Um, I, uh, so, yeah, I think that will be interesting. I think, uh, you know, sort of her relationship with blood work is clearly, you know, there's going to be some conflict there. This is someone she seems to care about a lot, but also, um, you know, might be sort of headed towards the dark side. So, um, I think it'd be much more interesting to have more time with Caitlyn and less time with Killer Frost while this unfolds. Uh, as for me, I'm going to uh, try to split the difference between you guys. I will give it about a 7.4. Um, oh, it was gosh. an okay episode, not one that I can see myself ever wanting to watch again. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, they seem to spend, you know, you know, if we are going to lose Barry in five weeks, we should be spending more time with Barry now. We'll have plenty of time to get into the, uh, the side plots later on. So join us next time for a brand new installment of the Central City Citizen. Again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Central City Citizen. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Central City Citizen and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. Co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Dimitri? Good night, Central City. And if you want to live tweet with me or interact with me on social media, I am on Twitter and Instagram at BrownBaldBeauty. I live tweet Black Lightning and I live tweet The Flash. Hope to interact with you there. Unless you're a Killer Frost fan, then don't add me. Millie, wish the listeners a good night. Good night, Central City. If you'd like to interact with me, I'm on the Twitter as at the Asian Nerd. And Jeff. Good night, Central City. I'm all over the social meds. I am on the IG, the Book of Faces, as well as Twitter. It's simply at Poppy Chulo Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Central City Citizen every Thursday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio archives. Good night. <laughs>